Super Talk Mississippi media production. What is Moondog? Moondog Makers and Bakers is not just a catering company. It's blended tradition with innovation and something familiar just done differently. To get a taste of what they're truly all about, you can order some awesome merch, crafted spice blends, or request catering for your very own event. MoondogMakersandBakers.com What is up on a Wednesday? I'm Brian Scott Rippey, my co-conspirators Colin Brister. We appreciate you hanging out with us on this fine Wednesday. A little later than usual, had some technical difficulties this morning, but had a chance to process what happened last night with the basketball game. Um, Ole Miss loses to Kentucky. 80-76, I guess it was. Uh, Hung in there for about, I mean, really good effort. They they played as hard as they could for as long as they could Um, in the end. It was really, Kentucky was too much. They didn't really match up inside once P.J. Washington got back into the game. They didn't stand much of a chance. But now Ole Miss is 19-11, Really important game at Missouri on Saturday. What were your initial reactions? Uh, you, You know, you couldn't. It's funny, Washington picks up two fouls in what, probably seven or eight minutes, and you couldn't get the third foul on him when he comes back in the uh, in the second half, and he just went to work. Uh, they they couldn't guard him. Dominic Olenicek played, I think, seven minutes last night. He could do nothing with Washington. Um, Bruce, God bless him, he did that. Bruce, you know, has gotten criticized a lot this year for effort. I don't really think it was effort last night. I just think P.J. Washington was that much better than him. Um, Washington's a stud. But, yeah, Ole Miss just could not get stops. I think Kentucky shoots 57% from uh, from the field. And when I looked at the box score, I was shocked it was only 57%. It felt like they shot around 65 to 70. So, yeah, it just could not get stops. Um you know, Ole Miss plays well on the offensive end. If you'd have probably offered Kermit 76 points last night against that Kentucky team, you probably takes it. So, yeah, it's funny. Ole Miss has covered three games in a row, but yet they're 0-3 in all three games. Yeah, Bruce, I thought, played really well. I thought it was probably his best game in an Ole Miss uniform. He was making shots. He was hustling as hard as he could at the defensive end. His effort defensively has been there really for about a month. Yeah, since now, they left Georgia. It, it, it's been more consistent over the last month. And, and Kermit's noted it how much it helped him, but obviously was not was not enough last night as Ole Miss. Ole Miss really just wasn't able to do much with Kentucky inside. I mean, it literally came down, and John Collard Party said it after the game. Once P.J. Washington got back in the game after sitting most of the first half of foul trouble, he said, look, we're, we're giving the ball to you on every single possession. Like, you're going to get it in the high post. You're going to get it on both low blocks. And he basically told him, be who you're supposed to be. And then he said he was. Um, obviously, so yeah, I mean, they gave it to him in the high post. He would just pretty much put his sh- one sh- turnover, a shoulder, drive, there wasn't a whole lot Ole Miss could do about it. Kentucky's just too long and too athletic. They're shooting over them. They're getting high percentage looks. They only took eight threes, I think, in the whole game. Four of nine, I believe. Yeah, may only made four. I mean, they were literally just taking it right to the hole, right at Ole Miss. And there wasn't a lot they could do. I mean, Kentucky's vying for a one seed for a reason. They're a tough matchup. They have two really good wings that can score. Tyler Hero is one of the best players in college basketball. Great shooter, solid. I mean, just solid all-around player. Defends well, dribbles well. You know, it just kind of is what it is. Ole Miss, you know, they haven't hurt themselves with these last two home games because you weren't expected to win either one of these games. It, what, what killed them was losing Saturday at Arkansas. And now it sets up a really just kind of, I mean, it's a Kermit balked at calling it a must win last night, but I mean, that's what it is. It's, it's a must win game on Saturday at Missouri if they want to lock up a tournament bid. Yeah, if you want to lock it up for sure. You know, I looked at Lenardi's bracketology this morning. I think Ole Miss is the first team uh, in his last four buys, which means there's seven teams behind him. <clears throat> the thing with the bubble around this time is that uh, 
you know, there's not a lot teams can do. Like Murray State and Furman aren't going to be able to get Tier 1 wins to, to get really in the conversation. And those are two teams on the bubble right now. But, yeah, it's it's a must-win game if you want to feel good on Sunday. And like we've said for two weeks now, Ole Miss needs one game uh, to lock up a tournament berth. They're running out of chances, but there still is a chance, you know. So, yeah, it's a big game on Saturday. I, I, I tend to agree with Kermit for a multitude of reasons. I don't think you can label this a must-win because what if you label it a must-win and you go lose? You, you can't act like the season's over then, you know, So because uh, Ole Miss still has opportunity in the SEC tournament to uh, get done when it needs to be done. What I find interesting is all right, we're sitting here saying that, yes, if Ole Miss wins on – Wins on Saturday, they're in the NCAA tournament. What if they lose Saturday but win in the first round of the SEC tournament? Does that make a difference because it's in the postseason, or how do you kind of gauge that? I mean, no, but it's it's the idea of if you play it that way and you lose Saturday, then if you lose in the SEC tournament, like there is no other option. Like you don't have a fallback sure. option to lose. So. I mean, I would. I mean, you, it would be really unwise to play it out till then because you're talking about bid stealers and amongst other things. Right. Like if you go and plus, if they if they lose Saturday at Missouri and then lose in the SEC tournament, like they could still make it, but they're going to be sweating it out, rooting oh, for mid major favorites to win their conference right. tournament. But I guess I guess what I'm asking is is winning on Saturday and then losing in the first round of the SEC tournament the same thing as losing uh, to Missouri and then winning in the first round of the SEC tournament. I mean, I guess essentially, but because if we're going to sit here and say it one win, on what locks... happens with the rest of college basketball Saturday, though? Like, what does that shake out to be like? Because Ole Miss has dropped in the last, like Ole Miss lost four hundred games in a row earlier in the season and didn't really drop in most bracketologies on the seed line. Now they've gone from eight to nine to ten to eleven. Yeah, they're eleven this morning with uh Lenardi. It's just interesting because you know we I mean we both feel confident if they win on Saturday they will be in the NCAA tournament, right? Um so it's just interesting how how we gauge that with the SEC tournament and how much weight gets put on, you know, certain games. Uh, but yeah, I think it's uh it's a it, it's a game that man I don't I don't really want to you know, I'm I'm kinda with Kermit label it a must win, but it feels like that uh just to solidify that berth that they've been trying to do for the last two weeks. Now it, it's a game that would do that. Um, Ole Miss is better than Missouri. I think Kim Palm says they win 54% of the time. Missouri has nothing to play for except that it's senior night, and that for some godforsaken reason matters. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it's going to be one that Ole Miss is going to have to go in and fight for. But if I think if Ole Miss plays well, I think if Ole Miss plays like they did last night, they'll leave Como with a win. Terrence Davis, obviously very emotional after the game, um, was asked about his last game. You know, he kind of struggled to put together words. He played like it was his last game last night. I mean, he made four of his first five shots, scored 15 first-half points, um, played really well on the defensive end, had a couple really key blocks. I mean, he was he was all over the floor. He did all he could. And like, I don't want to say I felt bad for the kid, but like you could kind of feel what he was feeling. You know, it's been a tough – Tough late stretch, but they still got a lot to play for. But you can tell, kind of, he, he's he's understanding. He's in the twilight hours of the most successful season of his four-year career. But nonetheless, his his time in an Ole Miss uniform is winding down. Yeah, and it was good for him to play well last night. You know, Bruce plays well as a senior, so yeah, you you got big contributions from seniors, which is nice to see. Um, yeah, it, it, TD has has been an interesting. Uh, it's been an interesting career. You know, he comes on really strong as as a sophomore. I don't know what happens last year, and then and then kind of returns to form this year. So yeah, he he's one of the more, uh, I guess, I his career is, is 
kind of indicative of what I guess college athletes are supposed to be about. You know, he he comes in as a freshman, doesn't play a lot, makes that huge jump, puts in the work, and then just continues to get better throughout his senior year. Yeah, and he came in super raw, and in some ways he's still not still raw, but he still kind of plays in that erratic manner. But it just kind of is a, a give and take thing with him. But he's, you know, meant a lot to the program, and it has been one of the better players they've had in the last decade or so. Maybe even beyond that, that's certainly one of the most athletic. And you're talking about Steph Moody among some other guys that are pretty athletic. It's probably the most. I mean, I haven't been covering this very long, but the most dynamic player in transition I think they've had in a long time. Yeah, because he's he's so athletic at the rim, but he's also probably what six three, six four. You know, Moody was probably a better athlete, but he's five ten. It kind of limits what he can do. I think I agree with that. He's, he's certainly when he gets the ball on the open floor, he can certainly make plays. It's interesting because they've lost three in a row, and in two of the three games they played pretty well, so they don't like. I always wonder what the mental psyche of this team is because they've been right there in three straight games. They've held a lead at halftime. They haven't been able to finish out. And, you know, two of those games, they really just kind of fumbled things down the stretch. Last night, that wasn't really the case. No. But, like, what is the mental state of this team? I mean, obviously, they they probably are fully aware that they have a lot to play for, and they're still in decent shape. But at the same time, they've played two really good games, one not very good game, and don't have anything to show for it. Well, do you think they realize that you know if if we play the way that uh, we played against Kentucky, that likely leads to a win in Como? Because I, I think there is a part of that 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 you you know you can what am I, what's the word you can put in your brain that look we played Kentucky that well. If we go up to Columbia, Missouri, they're not Kentucky. So if if we play like that, we can win. But you would have said the same thing uh, coming you know going to Arkansas. If they had played the way they played against Tennessee, they walk out of Fayetteville with a win. Sure, I think it's part of it's just the sheer the sheer idea of of bleeding games late in the year, whether it's late February, or early March. You know, losing three in a row, the the pressure amplifies, and it's not the same case scenario. But like you've seen countless Andy Kennedy teams get to late February and then just kind of pee their pants down the stretch and lose. Do you buy into this team being tired? Cause they no, everyone's tired this time of year. I don't buy I, that. I at all. agree, but most teams aren't playing seven guys either. I mean. Auburn went through last year playing seven and essentially six at the end of the year. Like, they're teams with t- thin rotations. I don't think they're any more tired than, than any other team in the country. It, I don't necessarily to me, buy it, that. It, to me, it just kind of looked like they were gassed on the stretch last night. may have been, but that's part of how Kentucky plays. I mean, they'll miss a thin. They had their hands full in every defensive possession last night. They had to exert so much energy to try to get stops that I think they were a little bit gassed on the offensive end because it was kind of the flip of – of what's been their problem in the last couple games is they hadn't been able to get stops around the stretch. Last night, Kentucky didn't have a field goal for the last three minutes of the game. Ole Miss just couldn't put anything together offensively, and I think that's where you saw the fatigue set in. They couldn't get good shots down the stretch. Bruce Stevens left a three-point uh, shot short at the end that was kind of indicative maybe his legs were gone a little bit. They didn't really run very good offense. The ball movement was kind of stagnant. They were just waiting on somebody to make a contested jump shot. I think where you saw the fatigue last night was them not being able to execute and get good shots offensively because they were exerting so much energy on the defensive end to try to get stops. Yeah, I mean, and that's certainly fair, but it's I guess it's kind of probably frustrating for Kermit that you've got a seven-footer that you just could not play last night. Yeah, he, Dom he, can't play in those games, and it, and I don't know well, what they – I've heard people say, what do you mean those games? Like, like what, what – just when, when – When a team is really big and really athletic inside, I know that describes a lot of SEC teams. Right. When you have a team at Kentucky where you have forwards that can punish you like P.J. Washington right. did, Dom can't play in a game like that. 
Yeah. Like, you can't play like, – I'm trying to think of another example. Like, Hell, Arkansas has one. <laughs> Arkansas. I mean, they. Then you saw what happened when Bruce went out of the game. Daniel Gafford would just kind of pummel Dom. I mean, he's just he's not he's not nimble enough to, to stay with them defensively, particularly athletically. And then Ole Miss has its own issues when it goes zone defending the interior. So it's just they don't get much out of Dom in games where they're playing teams with really athletic bigs. And it's, it, it hurts them because their rotation's thin as is. I mean, you take Dom out of that rotation and just Bruce. You know, Bruce has battled staying in shape. You know, he played, what? I, I 33. Yeah, 33 minutes last night. That's probably the – I mean, I would feel comfortable saying that's up there with the most in his career, probably the most in his career. And so when you – you know, you don't have a lot in the post behind him. I mean, you knew since – November they were thin in the post and then all of a sudden you take out their seven footer that just literally is a non-factor in the game it's hard to win any game doing that yeah much less Kentucky um, that's got to be frustrating and Ole Miss there's really not much other way to fix that except for I guess on the recruiting trail um, you know I think KJ Buffin and Tom will be will be a guy that can maybe you know play, play down low and play really good defense he and Henson but they're just going to have to get stronger yeah, but I mean, you see Buffing go to the rim and he gets put on the poster half the time and like like I, and I'm not trying to like knock the kid, but he has to be able to get stronger and go up stronger in the post and he has to be able to develop a jump shot. There were six or seven They're times last of. night where he just doesn't offer enough offensively. He's wide open and he hesitates on shooting the ball and is scared to shoot the ball, particularly three point shot and, and particularly a corner three. There were a couple times where he got the ball in the corner and he had a wide open shot and like you're thinking he's able to knock that down, but he's hesitant to shoot and with good reason because he hasn't shot the three very well, but he's got to be able to offer them more offensively. So that's what, like, when people talk about, you know, was the cupboard really that bare when Kermit Davis took over? Like, no, you got three good guards, but outside of that, like, they could very well have two-fifths of what they have on the court offering them nothing offensively if Dom's in the game. Yeah. Well, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say KJ because I really do think he can get to the rim efficiently, uh, but you're right. His inability to make a shot last night kind of kind of set the offense back because Kentucky just sagged off of him. I haven't seen that. Like I, I know teams don't get you know in his airspace, but Kentucky literally was daring the kid to shoot last night because they know he won't. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know what he. It'll shooting. come in time. He's a young player. I mean, I mean, truth be told, in a perfect world, he and Henson as true freshmen are not having to play this heavy minutes like they would need like yes they're coming off the bench but like like to me they would be better suited as freshman year in terms of their uh, granted they're getting valuable experience but like if you're talking about on an ideal situation on an NCAA tournament team you want those guys to be 10 to 12 minute a night guys not 20 to 25 sometimes Henson starting every game or Henson and Buffin is starting every game one or the other um, so sure, you know that you're having to get major uh, contributions out of them, and you're not really getting. I don't think they got really much of anything out of Blake Henson last night. No, they did, and although he did have 14 points on four and nine shooting, couple Henson rebounds. Did? Yeah, uh, they're not getting much. They haven't gotten much the last couple of games out of Devontae Schuler, and he's got to be better. He's been he was not very good defensively against Arkansas, and then last night he's eight points on three of six shooting. His plus minus was negative 14, three rebounds, three assists, and two turnovers. It's not really going to get it done in 37 or excuse me, 32 Ooh, minutes. Yeah, I mean they, they've got to get more out of Devonte Shore, and I'm not sure necessarily what's up with that. That's kind of been something that hasn't been covered because there's so much else is going on. Granted, it's only two games, and he's kind of been their rock all year. But but they're gonna going forward, they're gonna have to get more out of him. Absolutely. Um, 
yeah, because, you know, I thought he hit a big three last night that would kind of get him going. So, yeah, it's going forward. They're going to have to get more out of Devontae. They're going to have to get more out of that four spot in Henson and Buffin um, because you're asking a lot out of Tyree and Davis to, uh, you know, put up the numbers they did. I thought both of those guys kind of played well last night, and it just wasn't enough because they couldn't get stops down low. I mean, Shuler's struggling bad enough to where they, they started D.C. Davis in the second half of the Arkansas game just because he wasn't giving them – Shuler wasn't giving them anything defensively. And then classic me out thinking the room last night, D.C. Davis gets to start over Devontae Shuler. And I look at Neil McCready and I was like, look, he's doing that thing where he's kind of sending a message again. And, and, it's senior night. And Neil goes, it's senior night, man. And I was like, ah, that <laughs> makes more sense. But, but kind it of did the, it in though, the, to the be kind fair. of point still stands is that it, 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 it's interesting. And it didn't happen last night. I'm not talking – last night notwithstanding because that was just me being, being an idiot and kind of out thinking the room. But, I mean, I literally watched D.C. Davis go through his senior night ceremony and then 10 minutes later I'm sitting there thinking – Man, they're punishing Schiller, but him on the bench. But it is interesting. Kermit Davis, this late in the year, is still using the bench as kind of like a like a punishment set, you know, set the tone type yeah. thing because he he starts DC Davis over Terrence Davis in Ar- at Arkansas because of the way that. he practiced. Probably not. I mean, it didn't have much. Of, ended up having much, yeah, much effect on the game. Man, it feels like it's a little late in the year to do that. But it goes beyond that. I, I brought that up to say is last night, you know. Kermit does that rapid fire substitution. Yeah. And he coaches with so much emotion sometimes that like like KJ Buffin had been on the floor for I don't remember when this was in the game. I want to say it was early in the second half. KJ Buffin had been on the floor for a long stretch, and you could tell he's gassed. And he pulls him out of the game, and Blake Kenson subs in for him. And before Buffin is able to sit down, Blake Kenson makes an error defensively, or maybe it was on he the He took an awful three. That's right, He took an awful three, and Kermit pull, calls for Buffin to go back in, so Buffin's like choking down some water or something, <laughs> I think, hasn't sat down yet, and is having to go back in the game. Luckily, I think Kermit called timeout, or it was a media timeout, but like, I'm saying doing that and kind of using the bench as a punishment works sometimes, but it... it, it Thwarts any player, particularly coming off the bench, from getting in sort of rhythm, particularly for a guy who's Hens- like Henson, who you imagine's confidence is not very high right now. I know the kid's kind of unconscious in terms of when he'll take shots and things like that. You're talking about his overall play. I doubt his confidence, you know, whether he wants to admit it or not, is in a great place overall. So, like, I don't know. It seems like like he's going to have to get – like, last night he was going to have to get something out of Henson at some point. Why not leave him in the game and let him get some kind of rhythm as opposed to just jerk him out so quickly like that? Plus, you're gassing Henson even more. Like, yeah. gassing Buffin, excuse me. Right. Um, it just, to me, it kind of feels like, you know, you're, you're playing – you got your guys at this point. I don't know if you can go rapid-fire substitutions like that. You mentioned uh, KJ. I can't remember how many minutes he played last night, but it felt like a little bit too many. Uh, he gets tired at the end, and they're asking him to do a lot on the defensive end. Buffin played 22 minutes last yeah, so night. so Henson played 18, I assume. Henson played 21. So they're both in the 20-minute range, which brings so me to my point. They they're going to they're gonna have to play more. They're going to have to play somewhere in that minute range. Well, that's what I'll, so they're playing at some point together if cuz that that obviously equals more than 40 minutes. Yes, because um I mean at some point cuz you couldn't play you couldn't play Dom in this game. Dom played 9 minutes last night. So whenever Stevens is off the court is probably when they're playing together yeah. most of the time. Oof, moving Buffin and, and Henson to the four and five is is not a recipe for success. It's something they'd like to do eventually, but they can't do it right now. Sure, because Blake Henson's a stretch four, and, and he can play that, but it's not it's not happening right now. So 
set, I'll go and spinning it forward. A win at Missouri Saturday eliminates really most of the doubt as to whether this team's going to make the tournament. Um, you know, you'll win Saturday and they feel pretty good no matter what they do in Nashville. And really, if nothing else on the surface, just from like Saturday is important for, and I wrote a little bit about this just from a benchmark perspective. Like Saturday, if they if they win, they finish the season with 20 regular season wins, and they finish above 500 in the SEC when you couldn't have convinced anyone in the country that that would have been possible at the beginning of this year. And, you know, you know, if they lose 19-12, and 9-9 and 9 is certainly not a bad mark for this team, projected to finish 14th, but it seemed like from an optical standpoint, not that that necessarily matters, I mean, saying you were 20-11 and 11 and 10-8 and 8 is, 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 I guess, more of a, I guess, accolade. Well, this... this- School does like to brag about twenty wins. They do, they do. <laughs> so, a lot of years, you know, not very good non-conference schedule, weak SEC, but compile those twenty-win seasons. This would be a twenty-win season where they earned every single one of them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like you said, it, it'd be big for you know a multitude of reasons to get that win at Missouri. I mean, we'll just I'll just put you on the spot. You you think they win at Missouri? If you had to, if you had to bet it. Um, First of all, what do you think the line is? I think Ole Miss will be a four or five point favorite. Four or five. See, KP says by one, but I tend to agree with you. I think it'll be somewhere around two baskets, maybe four, maybe five, probably a little too much. Um, gun to my head, yes, I say they I win. Do too. Because for the most part, other than the lethargic effort at Arkansas, they've played good basketball. It's just, it, what do you, I mean, at a certain point when you're playing Tennessee and Kentucky, who are both Final Four caliber teams. Yeah. What, what at a certain point, what are you going to do? Yeah. You know, like that's. And I, I said, I said this after the Tennessee game. You could point to last night's game, and if like if someone, this was obviously never going to happen. But if like someone in the selection committee called Kermit Davis and was like, point to two games where your team proved it was an NCAA tournament caliber team. Yes, you could point to the state game in Starkville. Yes, you could point Auburn. to the game at Auburn. Yeah. But you could also point to both of those losses and be like, watch how we played. Yeah. And yeah. so, my point being, aside from the, you know. They, they really hurt themselves losing that game in Arkansas, but they can rectify that with the win against Missouri on Saturday. But point being, I think they win because they played good basketball. They've just kind of fallen short against some good teams down the stretch. Some of it's kind of their own undoing. Last night was really – I didn't Kentucky think there was much more they could do. Kentucky went out and took that game last night. You could you can make an argument that Ole Miss kind of collapsed against Tennessee and against Arkansas, but now Kentucky last night just went out and won the basketball game, frankly because they're better and more talented than Ole Miss. That's one of always one of my favorite stops every two years is when Calipari comes through Oxford. He came oh, into the media room last night and said, "You know, damn, we went from squirrels to the nicest media room <laughs> in the conference. Like, look at this!" and starts like looking around the room. And I don't know why. I think he just likes to make that joke because he's been in there before. Um, and then Calipari is the only person I've ever had like insult me, and I still like like him for it. Last yeah, night he said he didn't point, know you didn't know basketball. Yeah, he told the media that he was like he's talking about some of the adjustments he made. He's like, you guys would never see it because y'all don't know basketball. And then just kept on. And I was like, I think he just called us stupid, but I love the guy for it. <laughs> so entertaining guy. He said Ole Miss. You know, he had a lot to say about how Ole Miss is a solid team, NCAA tournament caliber team in his mind. Um, and he's got a good team on his hands. Yeah, everyone yeah. talk. Everyone they're, they're, they're not. They're out without one of their best players right now. Yeah, they can get Reed Travis back. Then they're going to be in even better shape. But I mean, everyone wrote them off after getting pummeled by Duke in November, which is kind of just the way you know the sports media landscape. Well, we the live Seton in. Hall loss was bad. It was, but Seton Hall is not a bad team. But you talk about it like every team is way different in November than they are at sure. the end of the year. And they, that team is really. 
Kentucky has really hit its stride at the end of the year. I, and they're a tough guard. Like, like having those two athletic scoring wings in addition to Washington is just, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to spread any kind of defense to cover that. I mean, you're spread so thin, you're stressed so much, it, it's hard to stop any, I mean, anyone for them to be, to stop them defensively. Yeah. They're, they're a tough cover. And Kermit Davis kind of alluded to that last night. I mean, they, they're long, athletic on the wings. You got to deal with Washington inside. Hero's a great player. They're just, they're tough and they're efficient offensively. Yeah, you know, you go back to that Duke game. It's funny. Uh, Duke was probably playing as well as they had all season that night because you know it's funny that they, they're not playing well right now. They beat Wake Forest by one last night. So, yeah, and ha- not having Zion Williamson's kind of screwed up how they how they beat play. Wake by one in Cameron. Sure, but it, it's it. I don't think they've learned what their that was his third or fourth game fourth. he's missed. Well, I, I, I include North Carolina. He played like sixty seconds. I, I don't think they've necessarily, and it's taken them. And it, it takes some teams longer than others. I don't think Duke has learned how to play without Williamson yet, and how to not incorporate the the, the amount of touches he requires inside and things like that. I think they will figure it out eventually. I the think better. they will in the next week. But but I think it's taking them some time because yes, like like on the surface, it's like you take Williamson out. Should they beat? Wake Forest and Cameron by more than one. Yeah, absolutely. But it's also a big piece to kind of change your offensive style in the half court. I mean, that takes time to adjust to. And you saw that a little bit with with, with Kansas when they first lost Azubuke. You saw that with Michigan State a little bit through some of their injuries. It just takes time to adjust. Speaking of Kansas, that, that team's not getting out of the first weekend. No, they're not. But they were already like they were already one of the least talented Kansas teams in a while. It was, it was a little bit of a transition year, and then you lose two starters on top of that. Like that seems bad. Like like it's that they're uh, not good. No, I mean like it's not bad for Kansas standards. They're not good. Like for anyone's like they're a middle of the pack Big Twelve team is going to probably be a six seed. Yeah, and honestly. I honestly, honestly, looking at the, what they're working with, and I'm not about to like try to make the argument that Kansas is like, like, like a like a plucky underdog or anything. But if you look at the personnel they're working with, and you look at them without Legerald Vic, you look at them without Azubuke. It's honestly, with the way the Big Twelve is, it's a little surprising they might win twelve Big Twelve games. Yeah. Like yeah. them winning a dozen games throughout, like with with what they're working with, is actually a little surprising. So, down year for Kansas. Um. I guess we can transition a little bit into baseball. I was at a slog of a midweek game that last night. I feel like that say every week. Ole Miss <laughs> played a Little Rock team that was not very good. You don't like um, Little Rock going to Omaha? I do not have Little Rock going to Omaha. I think last night put them to 2-10 and 10 on the year maybe. The Trojans are struggling a little bit. Um, they could not protect Ole Miss from scoring. Um, I spent most of the game resisting making like sixth grade level jokes about how they have the same logo as the condom. Um, <laughs> probably, probably almost a good wanted thing. to work that into the game story, but didn't. Uh, yeah, Little Rock, not good, not good. They're uh, their starting pitcher. Uh, I think his name was Aaron Funk. Not very good. Um, <laughs> but Ole Miss was not very good in this game no, either. Was, they, they played horribly. Ole Miss scored seven runs and gave Little Rock two outs in the first two innings. So Jordan Fowler. Goes five innings, gives up I think what four, four. runs on two hits, which kind of weird line there. But well, it happens was, when you hit four people. He was a little better, I thought, in the first three innings. Really, the first four, he had four hitless innings. It wasn't the cleanest, but in terms like like the last time he went out and started a game, he looked lost and uncomfortable on the mound, and he looked a little bit more comfortable in this game, though it wasn't great. 
And then, of course, Command goes awry in the fifth. He hits two guys. It leads to a four-run inning. Mike Bianco summed it up best after the game. you got to pitch it better. But I thought there was a little bit to take away to build on for him. See, I, I get what you're saying, but I think it was more – I think they just hit the ball at people. Like, it, I – I didn't see a lot different than his first two outings this year. He's not putting, he's not getting the ball by people. The curveball is not getting into the strike zone. Well, as a whole, I thought he, I thought he threw the ball in the strike zone. More he did. Than he has. He did. Um, baby steps. <laughs> it's funny you're talking about baby steps from a with guy. a guy that you thought was going to be well, a he started, starter. He started the game that your season was on the line last year. That's and, right. Last and pitched game well. regional super. Uh, yes, yeah, excuse me, regional. No, I'm didn't mean regional. to brag. <laughs> bad memories. I was gone. I was living in Ohio at that point. I was catching parts of the games on TV. Um, I was. I was not gone. Um, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so it's funny that uh, not funny. It's kind of sad that you're talking about that in that way. Look, uh, Ole Miss played horribly and scored 11 runs, won 11 to eight. A little bit like, yes, Ole Miss won the baseball game by three runs, but they pitched Ray Falk in the ninth inning. Did you know Ray Falk was on the team? Yeah. So it's funny. Funny you should ask that. So to, before we get, we'll get to that in a second. Before we get to that, Ole Miss. I mean, Mike Bianco was obviously very upset after the game. That's a word for it. I mean, they missed. They missed signs like Olenek bunted on his own that led to an out. Um, Keenan Stills on two two. That thought, yeah, he started. I think he thought it was three two. Um, they don't cover bunts. Yeah, they don't. They, I mean, they, they, they. What they got the inning? Little Rock scores four in the fifth that led to Jordan Fowler exiting the game. Is two bunts and they don't get an out. Yeah, that that seems. I mean, like the concept of bunting. <laughs> they want know, to get out. Bar like a drag bunt down the line or something. They're giving you an out and. <laughs> You know, Little Rock gave Ole Miss an out, and they decided they did not want the out either time, which suboptimal strategy. Well, I'd like to have been a fly on the one in that dugout about the fifth inning. Um, they got held out in the – you know, you can always tell Mike's attitude is like how long he holds him out in the cold in, uh, in right field. Used <laughs> well, to be left field there. before he talks to us. And I would say on a, on, a, on a length scale, it was probably a 7 out of 10. He's definitely held them longer, definitely okay. held them shorter. 7 out of 10, given the weather, it could be bumped to an 8. Um <laughs> Maybe some psychological warfare going on there. Who's to say? Um, but yeah, so you get so Ole Miss kind of blows the game open. They do what they do offensively. You know the Trojans pitching not very good, um, but then it gets to eleven four and Little Rock scores four runs in the night. Ole Miss brings in a fellow named Ray Falk um, in his Ole Miss debut. Uh, the poor kid did not record an out. Um, He's got as many outs as Gerhard Holston this year. He did. Um, poor guy. So he get allows three runs. Three runners on base. I think he allowed a run before that happened. I can't remember. Oh, yeah. He allowed. The, no. Oh, no, no. I know he no. gets charged with all these yeah. runs, but I'm trying to remember if he himself, before he exited the game, allowed a run. Yes, he did. He walked the first two and then gave up an RBI single. So then Caleb Hill comes in and gives up a, air quotes, triple three-run triple. I'm not exactly sure what Gendel was doing. Don't dive for the ball. Just stop it. Yeah, and in college baseball, like, like you, literally in college baseball, you have to take the baseball, punt it over your head, and punt it out of play for it to be called an error. <laughs> so it was called a three-RBI triple. Um, Gendel did not play it well. Was that before or after he ran into the wall and was shaken up? So, oh, so he, so at one point in the ninth inning, and this all, like, Cover a midweek baseball game and see how good your memory is. I'm telling you, it'll test you. At one point in the ninth inning, Gindel was trying to dive for a ball. That was a triple. 
and no 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 oh. in foul ground um and did not come up with it and slammed into oh, the wall God. pretty hard and so i don't know if he was shaking up from that because i honestly don't remember if it was before or after <laughs> i've been there four hours i was on three cups of coffee i was trying to do some other work um like i said you think you have a good memory cover a midweek baseball game and try to remember out for out so <laughs> Ole Miss doesn't play well. They're back at it today. Probably most of you listening to this, they will be either during the game, after the game. They're playing a really good East Carolina team. Yep. Uh, really kind of an audition for Doug Nikhazy, probably for a potential weekend role right. because you haven't seen a ton out of Zach Phillips on Saturday. They're finally starting Nikhazy, freshman lefty. Really good stuff. A guy that you thought it could be a wild card guy for a weekend starting position, and it looks like that's starting to open itself up a little bit as Ole Miss struggles on the mound on the weekend. Yeah, it's kind of set up perfect for him too because you know he throws today against a good East Carolina team. He can go throw Tuesday next Tuesday at Louisville against a good Louisville team, and then be kind of set up to throw either Saturday or Sunday against Alabama if that's what Ole Miss wants to do. So you get probably the guy that you want to get in on the weekends against three really good, well, two really good teams in Alabama. So, yeah, it's 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 going to be interesting to see how he pitches against the East Carolina team that scored one run in Starkville yesterday. So, yeah, it's uh, – So, did you see Cl- Cliff you Godwin, it? former Ole Miss assistant? I've not seen the video, but so former Ole Miss assistant Cliff Godwin, head coach of East Carolina, great guy. Um, I, I think Mike Bianco is very fond of him. He left after the 14 Omaha run. Um, his alma mater is ECU, but he gets tossed – with what two outs and two, two strikes in the ninth inning, count, yeah. he just it's wanted wrong. to get the bus started. He was making sure that everything was in order for their bus ride from from Starkville to Oxford. And so he got thrown out with two outs, two strikes in the ninth inning. Yeah, and it, it was a horrible call. It was absolutely atrocious. And Cliff basically just told the umpire, "That's about right." And the umpire tossed him. And you need to go watch the video because Cliff lost his mind. Um, but he gets tossed. So he brings a really good team to uh, to Oxford today. It's going to be freezing again, so you don't really know how much offense you're going to get. So it'll be interesting to see how Nikhazy pitches. Uh, Max Trophy saved the bullpen. If there was one good thing out of yesterday, Max Trophy. Well, Chos- back it up. His name is Max. Maxwell Antonio Trophy. That's his name is stick. Max. No, it's we're, not, we're calling not according him Max. to the 2018 media guide. Well, his name is Maxwell. Do you think that we call like everybody by their full name on no there? No one's. No one else's full name was in the media guide. It was everyone else's normal name, and then I looked down. And it says number 29, Maxwell Trophy. And ever since then, Did you call him Maxwell in the uh, in the interview. No, last so, so I was actually discussing this with Chase, and I was like, I'm going to ask him if he minds me calling him Maxwell. And it was 28 degrees. He was ready to get off the field. I was like, I have all spring to tackle this. Mystery. I'm going to wait till next time we talk to Maxwell, and I will see if he minds me calling him Maxwell Antonio. Yeah, I think it could. I be think a you real, have to ask. I think it could be. A, I am going to ask him. I, I'm serious. I, I I thought about it last night. I was like, it's freezing. I'm trying to get to basketball. He doesn't want to be out here. Um, but I'm going to ask him eventually. I think it's a good branding opportunity for him. <laughs> you like Max is forgettable. Maxwell Antonio is not. That's all I'm saying. I mean, I think you've got to tell him that too, okay. though. Oh, I, I am, and it's going to stick. And when he makes millions off his name, I'm probably going to request some sort of tip. But, <laughs> yes, he was very good. He goes three and two-thirds, scatters five hits, does not allow a run, really stabilized the game Strikes for Strikes out seven, yeah. yeah. His swing and miss stuff was about as good as it's been all year. Very fastball heavy. He threw some sliders there, too, but they were really having trouble uh, catching up with his fastball. And, you know, that's a fastball with a lot of life, and it was showing last night because Little Rock didn't really know what to do with it. No, and, and it's funny because he throws 88-89, but uh, Little Rock was continuously late. Now, part of that is that Little Rock sucks, 
But a part of that is I think he's got a got a higher RPM level, and that makes the fastball jump. So uh, yeah, it was it was good for him to uh, save the bullpen. Ole Miss doesn't really throw anybody except him that they would want to throw today. Um, I actually thought they would. Like I, it, I understand them bringing Hill in in the ninth, but I thought Hill would get action Wednesday. Yes, but you had to bring someone in there, and I don't know who you bring in. Yeah, fair enough. So we got off track a little bit. What do you like, Doug Nikhazy, uh Really, it is an audition for a weekend role, in my opinion. Absolutely. And you know, you know, you asked Mike Bianco what they're expecting from him. He gave you the obvious answer: we're expecting him to get outs. But Mike Bianco, <laughs> even without, yeah, he said throw the strikes and get outs. Like, thank like you, Mike Bianco. Thank, thank you, Mike. I will. Uh, that will be my headline. <laughs> um, but, but, but beyond that, he expanded on that a little bit and was like, "Look, this is a guy we thought might." might you know be in the mix for a weekend rotation spot excuse me um certainly you know gets his first start so mike kind of hinted at the fact that this might be an audition without actually saying it yeah and i mean i think anyone with eyes kind of knows that he is they they started fowler versus little rock and Nikhazy versus carolina for a reason uh, uh yeah cliff godwin <laughs> kind of gets the the the, the better the pitcher. stronger of the two lefties <laughs> um so yeah, it's it's he's pitching for probably a spot on the weekend, especially if Phillips struggles this weekend against the UAB team that's shown to be okay. Yeah, so I guess we'll go ahead and make it a bold prediction. So, I mean, this is a lot of ifs, but if Nikhazy goes out and plays and pitches well today, you know, kind of bottles up East Carolina a little bit because I think I believe East Carolina has a pitching injury and they're going Johnny Holstaff. So if he bottles them up, Ole Miss wins the game and plays well, and Phillips struggles again this weekend, I think. To open SEC play, Doug Nikhazy's probably pitching on Saturday. I now. think Doug Nikhazy pitches on Sunday, but I, I think what happens is Nikhazy goes Tuesday against Louisville, and then goes Sun. They move Hogland up and, and use Nikhazy on Sunday. Okay, that makes sense. But point being, yes, he's in the rotation. If that and happens. Phillips is out, yes. And Phillips is probably throwing midweeks because I think Zach Phillips can get outs in the midweek. And I know, like I, I was talking to to Chase Parham about this. Uh, I think I guess last week or or something on on I guess it was a podcast segment I don't remember point being like he's Phillips is probably a reliever at the next level but isn't it kind of hard to picture what he looks like coming out of the bullpen here like I, I just don't know what that looks yeah. like uh, and here's another thing that I'm interested to see today and and I don't have these numbers in front of me I'd, I'd like to get them I don't know where I could get them you might I don't think Ole Miss hits lefties particularly well. So when you say, yeah, he dominated in the fall and in the spring, well, did he dominate a lineup that struggles against lefties? Because Ole Miss struggled against lefties against Long Beach. I do know that. So uh, I'm kind of curious to see how Nikhazy does against that, against the East Carolina lineup today. I'll be sure to ask Mike that if he struggles. Please don't. I'll be like, yes, was, 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 everything, was that just a complete – Look, it's just a – it's just uh, yeah. a – Is it a complete farce? <laughs> like, like Mike, do you think your team stinks against lefties and it propped up Nikhazy's numbers? I'm sure he would take that very well. You thought he was pissed last night. Yeah, that would that I would. That's a question where you just ask and you start turning around and start walking or back to where he came ask. from. Yeah, I mean, obviously, <laughs> you're not, you're not, you're not actually asking that. Um, oh, I have a new weekly segment. I had an idea. Oh, okay. So we're going. I'm blind here. Clown of the week. Clown of this the week. This came to me last night sitting in a crowded media room, and um, I wanted to name it A-Hole of the Week, but I figured it would be easy. Clown rolls Fa- off the tongue. Cause family, f- I, family, I, yeah, family friendly. Yeah, family friendly. I don't think the Super Talk family wants to swearing a whole bunch. Um, so this is just going to – I'm just going to list things that I noticed throughout the week that really just grind my gears about people. Okay. So last night we're sitting in a crowded media room, and – 
A lot of Kentucky media, by the way. Yeah, they go everywhere. A buddy of mine named Derek Terry works for the two four seven site. They're really good writer. Uh, like that's that's their football. I mean, they go they go everywhere. He went to Chicago, all that stuff. So a lot of Kentucky media, pretty crowded up there, trying to get work done. And there's a photographer next to me who is clearly just logging photos with his headphones in, so he's not listening to audio, just blaring some kind of dubstep. <laughs> so I had, like, and it's loud enough to where not only, like, it has to be piercing his ears, but, like, I can hear it, like, syllable for syllable, like, <laughs> lyric for lyric from, like, 15 feet away. And, like, after, like, five minutes, I was like, surely he's going to turn that down. Like, he realized everyone nope. around him can hear this, and this guy's just jamming as if he's, like, you know, on some kind of trip. I can imagine Like, just completely how the, oblivious to the world. I'm like, dude. I can imagine how this guy's dressed, too. Yeah, it's just, I, I won't go there. I don't want to kill the guy too much, but it's like have some self awareness. Like I'm sitting there listening to my audio, like of of the press conference, and can still hear you know Dubstep. the bass drop as I'm trying to get a quote out of this, like through my headphones, and I'm just like, good lord! Like I kept waiting for the table to vibrate when the bass dropped. I was like, like you're gonna go deaf, one guy, two. Like is this really the setting to do that? And at eleven o'clock at night, after you're filing work on an eight p.m. basketball game, are you really just trying to like? hype yourself up with some like like electro dubstep i don't really understand that like i can maybe understand like thunderstruck or something if you're really trying to stay awake and get like the heartbeat pumping i recommend red bull for that instead of music but like my god dude like what are you doing so he's our initial clown of the week initial line. inaugural clown of the week so if one of the few of you listening to this <laughs> has had like sees something that really bugs you it's Insert your submission to Clown of the Week. You can tweet it to me at BSRippy, R-I-P-P-E. You can tweet it at Colin Brister. You can email it to me. Just something that somebody does that makes no sense because people do stupid things, and we're going to make it a point to point out the stupid things they do on Wednesdays. So, Clown of the Week. Almost started a football coach. They did. That was not a clown move. They needed to do that. Smart move. That's a great segue. That's all I got. Almost hired a football coach. I know nothing. I can't really tell you his name, but I do oh, well, know that almost so, hired so a they, football they coach. They need to make a hire on the defensive side of the ball, obviously, yeah. with John Sumrall leaving. Um, North he, Texas? Yeah. So, North Texas, Jeff Koontz. There you go. Um, from every everyone I've talked Good to. Coach. Good coach. Had an opportunity at some bigger jobs, but I think age was kind of a thing where it's kind of a wait-your-turn type of thing. Apparently very bright guy, um, pretty good recruiter. Um, I've heard pretty good things so far. I'll admit, aside from talking to a couple people close to the program last night, I don't really know a ton about him at this well, point. You just, you just told me his name, so I now know his name. So, so <laughs> yeah, he's going to coach inside linebackers in the 3-4 scheme, obviously. Um you know, you, you have Tyrone Nix as coaching the outside. You yeah. figured it would be – I mean, it was definitely going to be a defensive hire once John Summerall left. You figured it would be a linebacker's coach with Mike McIntyre having secondary expertise. You're pretty much set on the defensive yeah. line playing a 3-4 with Roach. You figured it would be a, a, a linebacker's coach with probably a decent hand in recruiting. That's what it is. You know, I, whether the, I don't know how to gauge this as far as good hire, great, you know, great hire. It's kind of funny that we're talking about college football uh, assistant hires. Yeah, in no, in March. early March. But so <laughs> Ole Miss, Christ. you know, I mean, that is is what it is. Ole Miss hires Jeff Koontz. I mean, you, you, I don't think it's surprising at the position or the side of the ball. I think both of those things are fairly obvious. I guess they could have gone elsewhere defensively, like maybe another defensive line coach. I, yeah. I don't know. Linebackers made the most sense. So he is expect that's expected to be official in the next, I think, 24 to 48 hours from what I understand. That was first reported by Chuck Roundsville at the Ole Miss Spirit last night. Um, so I'll work to get more information on that. Don't know a ton about it right now, but I've heard pretty good things. Um, you know, talked to a couple of people that met him during the interview process. 
Um, so I, I think it'll be a good fit. It was something Ole Miss needed to do. I think it was good that they got it done as soon as possible because there's already spring so practice. much newness in spring ball, yeah. like with the new coaching staff, with the new defense, obviously trying to get everything as familiar as Anything you can. Anything revelatory coming out of spring practice? Um, so I was at baseball and wasn't able to go to availability last oh, night. Yeah. I have the audio. I have a story up this afternoon. This afternoon, I don't think any big news. Um, so you know, shocking. Nothing. Yeah, and we, it's a long spring. We will have more for you as the spring progresses. Um, that's really all we've got. Ole Miss baseball this uh, Wednesday afternoon, East Carolina. We'll be back at it Friday afternoon to kind of preview the weekend. We'll talk more about the Missouri game. You know, what's at stake for Ole Miss going into that game. We'll talk about you know what we think. What what Mike Bianco is probably looking to get out of the UAB series this weekend in baseball. Busy weekend, busy time. Spring football rolls on. You've got three sports going on at once. You're about to have basketball postseason. Baseball is about to hit conference play. So. The grind never sleeps, as the kids say. And we'll be back at you on Friday. Thank you for listening. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.